Hi, everybody. This is Dan Walker. Welcome to another edition of U.S. Law Radio. The BP oil spill in the Gulf of Mexico has dominated the news over the summer, and the impact is far-reaching. One of the areas of concern is whether the incident will have a lasting market-changing effect on the insurance industry and on consumers and even BP. Dan Gerber is a partner in the firm Goldberg Segala in New York. He chairs their Global Insurance Service Group. In fact, he just moderated a panel on these very issues in Houston and joins us now to bring us up to date on the very latest. Dan, welcome into U.S. Law Radio. Thank you. Dan, this is quite a mess and thankfully stopped. So what is there for us to know other than a lot of claims are being filed and lots of money to be paid out? Can you set the table for us? Sure. A lot of it has to do with the effect both on future regulation and also who will pay for all of this. Uh, in, in this case, you certainly have BP who had some insurance, but most of the money is BP's money. And so the impact is how does that affect the consumer, how does it affect future regulation, and how does it affect future insurance? Most people I've talked to in the insurance industry on the underwriting side have said that this is not a market-changing event. In other words, Typically, most people have viewed the insurance market over the last few years as soft. In other words, premiums have been low, and this will not harden the market. You have seen a hardening of the market in the areas of oil drilling and offshore energy issues. There's a slight hardening there, especially on the insurance and reinsurance side, but not in other places. And whether the market hardens or not, has a key impact on some of the regulations that are being considered by Congress right now. Right now, the Petroleum Act of 1990 requires a $75 million liability limit or that you prove that you have $75 million that you can reimburse others for. So in other words, proof of insurance or backing. There's been talk in Congress of raising that cap to as much as $10 billion or higher. Is that a direct result of the BP spill? That is directly as a result of this. So some of it becomes political, of course. The thing to do is when there's a huge spill is to throw out huge numbers of what parties should be liable for. But where it starts to fall apart is where that capacity is going to come from. In other words, if a company such as BP or another smaller company would be a better example, there are small, more mom-and-pop oil drillers, large companies, but not the size of Exxon and BP and others need to show that they have $10 billion of insurance, does the insurance industry actually have that capacity? And everyone I've spoken to has said there is no way that the insurance industry can bear $10 billion of capacity of liability for every person out doing business in the oil market. And so, in essence, you would see premiums skyrocket. You'll have to have insurance companies basically insuring themselves, and the only companies that can do that are the large ones, the Exxons, the BPs, the Shell Oils, and a lot of smaller companies being put at a disadvantage, which will have a consumer impact as well. That number of $10 billion sounds a little knee-jerk, doesn't it? Uh, that number it was the one thrown out there initially, so it was more likely knee-jerk. And lower numbers have been floated, but the real question needs to be examined is what is the capacity of the market, and should there be a government backstop because you want to make sure you're not hurting business as well. Since the drilling ban has gone into effect, there have been a far larger number of other people put out of work in addition to just the hotels that aren't getting business. You now have people who aren't working who would normally be drilling. And there are insurance claims coming from that as well. 
in terms of a lot of companies have business interruption insurance. And one of the items that triggers that insurance is an order of civil authority, which is basically any government entity that orders that business has to stop or something that affects your business and you lose money as a result. Well, this is arguably a ban from the president of drilling for a certain time period. So it's arguably a civil authority order and could trigger that type of insurance. And this type of action can have a true dynamic effect, really percolate up through the economy. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, there's always a little bit of that factor when things are this large in terms of thinking it through and there's the knee-jerk side of it. Part of it is, though, taking a step back and realizing that there are complicated issues here and, and a key role that the insurance industry plays in these issues, a key role that the states play in these issues. I had spoken with a gentleman who is at one of the larger reinsurers last week, and he explained to me how post-Katrina, uh, they are working with the states to come up with some government backstop program so there is proper liability and management and, and buy-in into programs for proper insurance beforehand so that if there's ever that type of loss, there's not as large a trickle-down effect to the entire economy again. And so it's taking a step back and looking at some of these things creatively. A good example would be to look at oftentimes there's a massive gap between the actual economic losses and the insured losses. If you look back at natural catastrophes, which although this was man-made, the best way to look at this from an insurance side would be large-scale natural catastrophes, the Chilean earthquake, Haiti, other types of events. The gap between the economic loss and the insured loss is usually hundreds of millions, if not billions of dollars. And all of that gets carried on upstream, either to the taxpayer or consumer there has to be a rebuilding process. And so in terms of playing it forward or what should be done next, it's really a partnership between the insurance industry and government and the consumer groups as well to design a program that protects all of those interests. And some of that, as I said, the Katrina model that's being used with certain reinsurers and other direct primary insurers speaking directly with the states to talk about monies being set aside ahead of time and, and government sponsored insurance funds in conjunction with private insurers. These are all types of creative approaches that can be used going forward. Is there anything about this whole ordeal that has surprised you, Dan? Um, maybe the fund and the way it was set up and the timing of it. But some of it is just maybe from a PR perspective. It would seem that the first thing BP would have done is maybe hire a U.S. PR firm and tried to set up a fund initially, and the tail wagged the dog for a little while, and then they brought in Mr. Feinberg, who is very good at these types of issues and funds, but the fund itself is going to create some other interesting issues, even with the insurance industry. For example, normally, if this was all an insured loss, which in this case, it appears not to be, this is all BP's money, they did not have much insurance for this, this was all an insured loss. You would have issues of the insurance company saying, wait a second, this fund you're creating is actually our money, and we want some say in how it's spent and what's approved. But here it's BP's money, and BP and Mr. Feinberg have a lot more discretion. And in fact, insurance companies who have to pay claims can actually go after the fund and seek reimbursement. They are essentially what's called subrogating their rights, or they're allowed to go in in subrogation of someone else and take those claims over and get reimbursed for paying their own insured losses. 
So it's a unique situation, but it's also a perfect example of showing because insurance wasn't there in the first instance for BP, how it all interplays and is important that the industries be coordinated. Well, it's hard for most of us to wrap our minds around $20 billion, Dan, but does all this amount to much more than just a speed bump for BP? Well, it's difficult for me to comment on from a legal perspective. I think anyone who talks about $20 billion, if you are a shareholder, you may not feel that it is a speed bump. And already in the, I think, early part of May, there have been shareholder derivative suits filed against BP and filed against its former CEO, basically claiming that a lot of this was known or foreseeable, that there will be losses to the company. And as a result of the um, officer's action, those losses should be reimbursed to the shareholders. So those types of claims will be out there. They'll be out there for a number of years, including the directors and officers' insurance issues that arise out of that. See, it always comes back to some type of insurance being involved as well. And whether those claims will be covered under those DNO policies is, is a whole other side of claims and litigation. Now, are there any particular environmental concerns from an insurance standpoint, Dan? There's one that's rather interesting, and it really has to do with the a pollution issue. Many typical insurance liability policies have what are referred to as absolute pollution exclusions, and they will exclude anything that is a substance that can be toxic or cause any type of environmental loss. So the question becomes, is oil, crude oil, in its natural form, underwater, an actual pollutant? And so if policies are to be applied here, the ones outside of BP's coverage, will the pollution exclusion apply? And then there's another piece of it, which is whether it applies to the oil or not, whether it applies to the disbursement damage, if any, that was put in the water. In other words, these disbursements were put in to try and help solve the problem. So are they actual pollutants or are they fixes to a pollutant? And these are just issues that have been litigated in a number of ways in a number of states and are hotly contested from previous cases, but have never come to be tested in a situation this large. So you're saying the dispersants might end up being more of an issue than the oil itself? Possibly, yes, because the argument will be that the dispersant cause more environmental harm. And it will just depend, again, on scientific evidence. And if it's an actual substance that causes harm, and it is a chemical substance, then insurers could argue that it's a pollute. Stay tuned, folks. This story is far from over, at least from an insurance standpoint. Okay, Dan, we'll let you get back to it. How do you want to wrap things up for us? Uh, just that this is one of these events that just has to be monitored and see how it develops. There are certainly going to be claims and litigation for years and years to come. Dan Gerber, thanks so much for joining us here on U.S. Law Radio. Thank you. Well, that's it, folks. We're out of time. U.S. Law Radio is produced by Roger Yaffe. Send your comments and show ideas his way. This edition of U.S. Law Radio has been brought to you by SCA Limited, forensic engineering and origin cause experts working nationwide since 1970, and by Ringler Associates. Since 1975, Ringler Associates has provided injured parties and their attorneys with the finest structured settlement services. This is Dan Walker. Thanks for listening in. We'll see you again next time for another brand new edition of U.S. Law Radio.